0: Oh,
1: Recorded live.
0: Scuba Obsessed is a weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 137 was recorded live November 8, 2012. Welcome back to Scoob Test. I'm Darren Jilson, and here's just a few of the articles we're going to have this week. We have uh, another side to the octopus story. We have some air hoses recalled, and we have a new dive business taking the plunge. And as always, I'd like to welcome my co-host for this week. We have Mac, the dive mentor. How are you doing today, Mac?
1: Doing very well. Glad to see there's no snow on the ground yet.
0: Not yet. Of course, I think the frost a these mornings, you could almost count. And we also have Jim Schultz. How are you doing today, Jim? Much better than last week, thank you. Excellent. Glad to hear that. Got a, no fun being under the weather, but at least it didn't impact any diving. Now, you you were talking about uh, getting to do some uh, research. Did you? Were you able to get in any libraries?
2: Uh, yes, actually. I got in the uh, Indianapolis library. Excellent. And can uh, report that uh, that's a good place not to go look for shipwreck
0: information. <laughs> I take it they didn't have a whole lot? Correct.
2: Like when you spend a day looking and you come up empty. Oh, wow. It's just a day where you know that you don't have to look again.
0: Well, at least that narrows down the, the driving that you have to do to to uh, libraries. Correct. So one spot off the list. Of course, I mean, I guess being in Indiana and that's probably one of their main archival libraries. Yeah, they've got some
2: great newspaper archives down here. Um, good good selection, a lot of old stuff from, uh, you know, definitely Civil War era, 1860s and beyond. But uh, the uh, Indiana papers just didn't carry much like Michigan information in those early days.
0: Mm. So you you, you didn't even get lucky. And there there wasn't even South Bend or Michigan City. Uh, nothing. I saw
2: one one mention of Saint Joseph, and that had nothing to do with what was going on. So what I was looking for. So it was just uh, you know most of the news that was reported here was regarding the Civil War and some of the activities that were going on. Most of it was Civil War activity, so yeah, at
0: least well. the,
2: the period that I was looking for in 1863. So,
0: Well, now you know where it's not. Correct. Well, let's go ahead and get started in the news. If you're in the chat room, we're going to give you some head starts on it. There's a few, few of the articles. We have a follow-up on the octopus story from last week. If you don't know what we're talking about, you'll want to go and listen to last week's episode 136, but we had in Seattle... A scuba diver and a buddy had harvested an octopus legally. They had permits, and uh, they came under quite a bit of pressure from people who talked to them when they came out, and then just uh, public opinion. So there's been some follow-up to that. We've got a few articles. Uh, Also, uh, that first link, and we'll have that in the show notes. Actually, has an interview which I don't have rights to, so I can't rebroadcast it, but. Uh, He was actually on a radio program, and he talked about his side of the story, which is what you'd expect. Uh, He did sound young. Uh, Some of it's taken out of context. There's a little bit of difference in the story. Uh, He is insistent that they didn't punch the octopus. Um, He's saying that it was a male and not a female, so it's kind of interesting how that came across. Uh, Also, in some follow-up stories, the uh, diver who had originally reported it and posted it uh, well, he doesn't feel bad for reporting it. He does feel bad that he used the face of the diver because he, okay. Yeah. If, if it drops again, we'll just continue on and then. Give it a bit. <laughs> Yeah. What M- must be the electric eel you got in the sink there. <laughs> yeah,
1: the so like his electron got a steel caught under the rocker.
0: Yeah. So we were, we were talking about octopus, weren't we?
1: Yes, we were.
0: So, uh, so what it came down to is that everybody acknowledged that what the diver was doing was legal, but they weren't happy about it. And uh, he admitted that if he had known that there was going to be so much negative and that people in that particular area felt strongly, he wouldn't have been taking octopus and that. He, he said he had before he had gone scuba diving there for octopus, he'd been on the dock and he'd seen a lot of fishermen take octopus. So he just didn't put the connection together that... Other divers would think that he was doing something that was wrong. So uh, both him and the other divers said they've been getting death threats and harassment at home. And then uh, he's also said that he's not welcome in many of the dive shops in that particular area. And a couple of the dive shops said that they they knew that it wasn't right, but they didn't want to lose all the other divers who had pressured them into not uh, allowing him in the shop.
1: That's wrong, right off the bat. Yeah. It, no balls. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you 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 need to, I mean, you could have a position and an opinion, but, you know, it's not right to to cut somebody off like that. I, mean, there's
1: yeah, que- well, I like to say money talks, and that's what they'll listen to in this case. So the hell with this, what's right. He'll just do what's economically feasible. Yeah. I thought it was interesting, the second one you had in there, where the gentleman who created the fear, Bob Bailey. Yes. Uh, at least when you read his, uh, he got some negative feedback also via the family and threats to the family Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and like he said i thought it was interesting he was been compared to george zimmerman been called the vigilante and uh what i thought was good though he said in retrospect would he have done things differently he says yeah (laughs) he said yeah i would go about it differently he wouldn't change his position but he would do it in a different way that didn't didn't identify the man because he really created a hell of a furore. yeah
0: well, what he said is he didn't realize how powerful social media had become. Uh, he, he One quote had him as saying he was one of the last eight people in the United States not to be on Facebook. Yeah. So he he has his website, which is that Die photo website, and that's where he had posted it. And from there, a lot of us linked. I mean, we linked on it on the Scuba Obsessed fan page, uh, a couple other social Media scuba sites had, had linked to it, and then there was also some Twitter discussion. So it does take off. I mean, it was a fairly popular article. It wasn't. I didn't think of it as being too crazy, but then I understand that divers local to that area, that there was a big thread going on.
1: Well, There's I thought it. his article here, it says, uh, once this hit the Facebook, it just exploded. It was just like throwing uh, gasoline on the fire something I could not have anticipated, and it just brought out all the crazy people out of the woodwork. And by that, he meant crazy on both sides
0: of the issue. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's certainly how it happened. It, it does seem to be crazy and extreme. And uh, I think one thing is just the lack of tolerance that people have for different opinions.
1: Well, yeah, we see that, though, when we talk about political debate. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, you're either a Democrat or Republican, and there is a very wide gap down the middle.
0: Yeah, I'm, I have to say I'm not really a fan of either party myself, but I I, I may tend to resemble one side more than another. But uh, I think there's a lot of improvements that could be done, and we're not doing many of them anyway around. Oh. Yeah, so it was an election week, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there was. A, I'm 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 glad it's over. So you got to come to the the nice calming effects of talking about scuba diving controversy.
1: Well, like you said, it's over, but I don't think it's changed any politically.
0: No, no. well, gosh. And, and maybe we need to start another podcast just to talk about that. But there's just the whole way that things are funded, that you've got a bunch of deep pockets which fund both parties who get their way. And you notice that those donors who donate to both parties don't get a whole lot of talk on either side, positive or negative. So well, it's no, they stay, out of, yeah, they
1: stay out of the limelight.
0: Yeah, and so they just pharmaceuticals investment bank, and there's a whole lot of companies who, yeah, it's a whole, whole political landscape there.
1: It's still amazing, though. You're talking $6 billion they spent oh, yeah. on an election that pays, what, 200000 And what they're looking at, again, is the money. Oh yeah. What am I going to make down the road based on decisions made by those in power?
0: Oh, exactly. I mean, they have a certain uh, incentive for it. Look at the Michigan initiative on the bridge. Yeah. He spent over $30 million on that. Yeah. He didn't do that because he had deep principles that he was trying to uh, secure. He had it because he, he knew he was losing a cash cow. He had a monopoly.
1: Yeah. So many of the money.
0: Yeah. If you want to get from Detroit to Canada, you're going across his bridge. So,
1: and like, We could talk about all of those, but then I'll start ranting and raving like <laughs> I do on some other objects. So we'll stop that. I will anyway.
0: So uh, next article we have up is Military Divers Memorial Opens in Panama City. This is the first memorial to military divers was unveiled last month at the Navy Diving and Salvage Training Center in Panama City. A similar monument monument is in the works at the Washington Naval Yard, the site of the old diving school. Organizers said the site is an appropriate place to pay homage to military diving because students pass it every day. There's even a rumor that they're going to start rubbing the toe of Jake before they, they uh, test for good luck. And that's uh, according to Dave Sullivan, a former Navy diver and uh, vice president of the monument. I mean, is, is, that, a, is that what you encourage, r- rub the toe of the statue?
1: I'm not really up on that particular item. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I guess it's better than other things they could be rubbing, but uh, it's uh he's a, Jake is a 10-foot bronze statue. Uh, it's slang for Mark Five suit in general. Is it, so that's what they call the the Mark V, is it Jake? a Jake? Is the what? They're saying that Jake is, uh, was also slang for Mark V.
1: I don't know. I, it may have been, but the school I went, we never referenced that.
0: Yeah, so that might be a, a Navy-only thing. Uh, the monument cost $200,000. Uh, uh, they sold uh, 300 serialized 21-inch tall replicas of the statue. Replicas sold for 2000 to $3,000 each and were shipped around the world, including Japan, Italy, Great Britain, Dubai, and Hong Kong.
1: Is this the same statue we talked about last week or the week before where the, uh, one of the women divers, were? I mean, there's very few of them, protested it? I,
0: I, I think the name, which was the uh, Man of the Sea Monument, yeah, but there's also a second one in D.C. that you're talking about, which is going to be a cost of 10 million. So I'm I'm thinking that's the one that she was talking about uh, later on. The article says a D.C. memorial made headlines when retired Commander Darlene, yeah. uh, one of the first women to graduate from diving school, wrote a Time a column question the title "Man of the Sea as it excluded women's contributions. And if we disconnect uh, the Jim, sit, uh, he's having some problems. Yeah. So yeah, so it, it is related, uh, but it was a it's this is the statue that's or the monument that's already been put. So it's almost like mini monuments. First one in place, and then they'll have another one if they can get ten million dollars. It's amazing how expensive monuments are.
1: Yeah, must be the metal on them, bronze and whatever.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just having some problems, so we're going to continue on. Well, maybe we'll give him a, a a call if he's still online a little bit. He's even dropped off the chat room, so. That, those wonderful hotel connections but we certainly appreciate having them dialing in and giving us a little bit of an update so uh, that was uh, the the monument so yeah 10 million that's a that's a good chunk of change
1: a couple of shackles. i wouldn't mind having it
0: yeah that could cover a dive boat or so and then uh, we've got a recall oh, crap how did i lose that article okay so we have a recall uh, about 2500 scuba diving hose are being recalled because of potential threat of failure that could lead to loss of air and drowning. The recall was issued jointly by the importer and the Federal Consumer Product Safety Commission. According to Commission Recall, notice no injuries or death have been reported as a result of the hose. It's a braided black air hose made by Lee Chung Plastics Industries Co. Limited of Taiwan, and they have production date codes stamped on the metal uh, that attached the regulators the following codes. Innovative Scuba Concepts. 11Q3, 11Q4, 12Q1, Trident Diving Equipment, uh, T0811, T0911, T1011, T1111, T1211, T0112, T0212, and A Plus Marine, 11Q3, 11Q4, and 12Q1. And uh, we'll have the links in the show notes so you can follow them. Uh, So these are imported. Uh, They don't say if they're being used by any uh, manufacturers, you know, if they're being used in any other lines where you'd have to check, but it's it's worth checking. So uh, I'm
1: not familiar with the uh Phantom or Mesh mesh flex brand names.
0: I'm not, but Trident is a common brand for accessories. Yeah. A lot of the Save a dive kits and some of the accessories that you can get at dive shops are frequently Trident, which they import and put together they repackage a lot of scuba parts.
1: It doesn't exactly say though what potential failure there is. Like, is it the CREP where the connector is on the hose itself?
0: Yeah, they don't. They just say that a potential threat of failure. So what I'm guessing is that there was, they had enough complaints, and when they looked at what the complaint was, it was something that could be assumed could cause problems. But the three brands that most people would recognize would be Innovative, Scuba Concepts, Trident Diving, and A-Plus Marine.
1: Well, I think it's interesting how you phrased your next topic though. I just want you to explain to me the sequence mentally that you process in making <laughs> this your next item there. Well,
0: we'll see. Yeah. Everything goes together. So so we go from uh, from a hose recall to another type of dangling hose which was oh crap. I don't the article's not coming up. Here we go. Another type of dangling hose.
1: Oh, crap. Uh, Okaloosa County Sheriff's Deputy.
0: Yeah, and see.
1: Probably made this. I wonder if that was a male or female deputy.
0: Yeah, they said deputies chased down naked man. Uh, So Okaloosa County Sheriff's Deputy pulled into a parking lot just west of the Red Door Saloon in Harbor Boulevard. After uh, making a left-turning spot, a man who was completely nude. Once a nude man was spotted, the deputy took off running. The deputy gave chase and foot. The man ran across uh, the boulevard behind uh, Scuba Tech, uh, where he ignored deputies' orders to stop. They eventually caught him. In the arrest report, they didn't explain why the man was nude. And I just want to explain that they didn't have the proper gear when I was trying on the dry suit. So that's, that's all I want to say on the record.
1: Okay, and I saw that. I saw the involvement could have said behind the scuba tech business (laughs) so i mean that explained it right there i'm obviously you were getting dressed i mean the person not you necessarily
0: no it might not have been me Was getting
1: dressed and for whatever reason he suddenly appeared outside noon. okay
0: yeah yeah so you know maybe they had the door mislabeled changing room or or something but uh we're just it's a scuba incident is what we're calling it at this point
1: yeah Yeah. I don't think the Red Door Saloon had anything to do with it. I mean, I've,
0: I've heard
1: of buildings with light I mean, red lights outside, and the Red Door. I don't know if that's
0: associated with it. Red light district. So, so maybe that town they organized the businesses by color. So you got Red Door Probably. Saloon and a dive shop. Yeah. Okay, and then we go uh, to Kiwi attempts underwater swimming record. Uh, New Zealander narrowly missed the world free diving record for swimming underwater. Uh, to win the free diving record, she had to stay underwater for six lengths of a 25-meter pool while being watched by, um, what well, they said an adjunctor, Grant Graves, who flew in Adjudicator. Him. Adjudicator. Yeah. Ah, that makes more sense. Adjudicator flew in from Los Angeles to judge the attempts. He says, we are looking on how they start, how they swim along the pool, whether they touch the walls as they turn, making sure they don't break the surface, and then how they surface. She broke the current record at 163 meters, held by Russian uh, Natalia Machanovo, uh, but was disqualified for briefly losing consciousness during the swim. Yeah, I
1: like that side note, and that is strictly against the rules.
0: Yeah, we don't want you, so you can't black out and then... Now I want to know how they found how she, how they noticed she blacked out.
1: <laughs> I know it doesn't say that, and that's got me curious.
0: I mean, she, I she made 163 feet. So did is like you know at a meters? meters. So did she do like a hundred meters, black out, and then come to? Or I, was I,
1: it... I've seen people do that, do the breath hole and do yeah. as much as they can. And they're, they're, their body is still moving, but they're out, man.
0: Yeah. But, yeah. I, I've seen the breath hold where they'll do it in a pool. Yeah. And they usually have a spotter who's like holding their hand, or they have to hold their hand up. And then when their hand falls or something, that, that person will then get them out of the water so they don't, if you know, they get some air back into them. But yeah, you, there, all these records, especially when they're involving breath holding, are all at that point where it's just a, a sliver from death when they it's do just,
1: this. I mean, she can hold her breath doing that for seven minutes. Wow. Seven well, I, minutes.
0: Yeah, you know, my, my daughter, who's a competitive swimmer, I was I was asking her how long did she think she could do it because she was, she was complaining that they want them to be able, on an Olympic pool, they want all the divers to be able to swim one length underwater.
1: I can understand that.
0: Yeah, and, and they do that just for starts because if, they, you know, if they're in condition, they can hold their breath. And my daughter has a challenge with that. And then here you've got somebody who went six lengths of a pool. In me swimming, I'm going to be out of breath halfway through the first length, let alone six lengths. So amazing. Uh, 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 she's definitely fit. Uh, they say your heart rate slows down significantly. So, you know, I'm wondering, do they have a slower kick when they're doing something like that?
1: I'm sure they get a rhythm up. But what I thought was interesting, you see the article down below, it says, most people walking down the street would think 45 seconds would be hard to hold your breath. But in a short period of a couple of hours, they can get up to three and a half minutes to four minutes learning how to use dive reflex and getting their body to relax and understand what's going on. Now, three and a half minutes to four in a couple of hours, damn.
0: Yeah. Well, you listen to a lot of these free divers, and that's what they're saying is that you can condition yourself and get to that to uh, some pretty decent uh, air hold times. Yeah. So.
1: It seems like you get the CO two buildup, I don't know how you can overcome that. Oh.
0: You know, I know with diving, with scuba diving, I can my my breathing rate is much lower underwater than it is above water. So. Until you
1: get snagged or lost.
0: Then it goes up really quick. Well yeah, that's with the SAC. You gotta you gotta give yourself plenty of buffer. You can't count on, you know, those sub one SAC rates and in stress. Yeah, she says you have a bit of an urge to breathe as CO2 builds up, which can be a bit uncomfortable. But with training, you can learn to deal with that. So she had another attempt uh, where she's going to try it again. And I tried to find the article, and, and I don't, I don't know if they just didn't report it or she didn't do it or didn't beat it. But um, fell
1: asleep underwater again.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then we have a new dive business, or at least one moving.
1: This is it going to be Europe again, UK.
0: I have a feeling it is, just by the, the names.
1: Well, I was looking at the uh, the, the uh, picture, and a lot of Europeans spell the word funny, different, not funny. And they've got Diving Center. We would say it C-E-N-T-E-R.
0: E-R, they've got R-E. They've got
1: R-E. Yes. I thought maybe they're U.K. again.
0: Yeah, so the Diving Center is at Cleeton Lane Industries Estates. Uh, the Diving Center Limited, which is, which is a U- U.K. Uh, title, provides everything from scuba training to full range of dive equipment on sale or hire. another UK clue. The company directors Bill Coates and his son Callum recently relocated the business from Newcastle to Clean Lane Industry Estates in East Balden. Uh, they have invested over 250,000 pounds in the new training pool and shop development. He said, my father took over the business about six years ago, but overhead became quite high in Newcastle and we decided to move to uh, south. He said it was uh, formerly occupied by a van hire company, but we have transformed it into a center for scuba diving. And this is what really caught my eye. Center at 25 pounds a session. So this makes me wonder if maybe they price dive training. Where we tend to do it, you've got an open water course and whatever it is, for that open water course, you complete it. This is a session. So is it one of those things where you've got an hour each day, and they just keep doing it until you're comfortable, and if it takes you five sessions, then you pay five session fees. If you do it in two, you pay for two?
1: I don't, I don't know. That sounds pretty expensive. Right now, you figure a pound is about $1.60 right now yeah. against the dollar, so if that's 25 pounds. That's going to be $25 plus another 60%, so another $12, $13, so you're talking $35, $40? A lesson?
0: Yeah. Well, see, I'm yeah for for a session, but you know, open water uh, can be you know two hundred to three hundred dollars for an open water class.
1: But then you've got generally what a, a full evening. Well, not say full evening, three or four hours, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, like six to nine or something. And then you've got how many sessions? Six or eight? I don't remember. It's been a long time.
0: Um, Mine was. Let's see. We had a we. I did the Jim Kleeman and I. We did the advanced. Now I won't say advanced. We did the condensed session. So instead of doing the nightly classes, we did the accelerated. So you did all the bookwork and videos in advance. In advance, and it was a morning, which was four hours of classroom. Then that afternoon we did pool, and then the following day we did pool, and that was the confined water. So that was eight hours plus probably six, so fourteen hours, and then we had. Uh, dives open water, which was across two days at a quarry, which was three, four dives. So, yeah, I mean, if you're paying by the hour, that would be quite a bit. Yeah. So, but I, it just caught my eye of, of how they had that worded as a session. So I didn't know if that meant that instead of having a fixed rate where they say, hey, we're going to get you through it for this rate, it's you pay until you're trained.
2: Yeah.
0: Now, they said the dive shop currently employs two full-time and several part-time staff it's open seven days a week and offering diving expertise from highly experienced divers. Of course, nobody says they've got unexperienced uh, divers training the classes. Oh, and then this, last, this next one, I didn't get the uh, title, but with the hurricane, they had an article on what happens underwater during a hurricane. And it's a very lengthy article, so the best thing to do is, is to read most of it yourself. There's a lot of charts, graphs. But uh, some items of note was just how deep they said that the hurricane was affecting. They said uh, the hurricane was generating 60-foot waves, and they said the currents picked up down to 300 feet.
1: I can believe that.
0: Yeah, and they said that, that they do a lot of damage. They said more damage is done to coral reefs from hurricanes than probably anything else. They said it relocates shipwrecks. Breaks oil pipelines, displaces huge volumes of sand in the seabeds. And some of that sand is actually what can also cover up coral and clog the pores.
1: Well, I can see it in the shallower waters where the height of the wave is proportional to the depth and you're going to get a surge. Out in the open water, I, I would think that the tendency for the disruption would be shallower. And not as forceful. Yeah. You know, because you're not, you're just being dampened by water, not by the, the shore on an incline coming back up to the surface.
0: Yes. Yeah, I would agree on that. But
1: I do but, know that we've had some uh, days where you've got some good, good waves on the surface by the piers. And you can be down at 20 feet and it will beat you up. It'll just oh, yeah. Pop on the bottom.
0: Yeah, I can I can remember that. A couple of dives we've done on there along the pier and just the, the normal surge of moderate waves. I can't uh-huh. imagine the big ones. How bad you get thrashed around.
1: So and then, too, like they talked about the dispersion of the uh, the temperature based on fresh salt water. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, and then they said the rain was changing the salinity, which you wouldn't think. Uh, I guess if you had you know outflows from little creeks, you might get that. But it seems like it wouldn't take long for that to dissipate and not be noticeable. I don't know how long it takes to affect something, but it seems like coral should be able to handle. A, you know, half a day of fresh water.
1: Well, I thought it was interesting with the bottom line and it says, however, hurricanes have been known to result in tremendous numbers of dead fish, crabs, sea turtles, oysters, etc., due to reduced amounts of dissolved oxygen in the water, rapid salinity changes, and violent surf. Now, I can believe the violent surf, but dissolved oxygen in the water, I really would not have thought about that.
0: No, I wouldn't have either. But I guess anything that you're not used to. You know, if you're used to low oxygen and you get high oxygen or vice versa, I bet it could be not your best day. Yeah. And if for a critter, I mean, would you know where to swim to get to the oxygen that you want to be at?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's like sounds like go deep and go out deeper.
0: Yeah. Well, and that could explain why you see some of these die-offs. You know, they have die-offs when animals reach a population and they just suck all the oxygen right out of the water, whether it's plankton or fish or fry. And, uh, you know, you see it over and over it happens, and it's just sometimes naturally occurring, and sometimes it's these, uh, which these are, you know, storms are naturally occurring as well.
1: One of uh, the this, comments was, it's just a ploy to get the price of crabs and lobster up after the storms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, kind of like gas. Just, uh, they talk about how everything dies, and then they jack the price up. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, the thing about it is you can always not eat it. And yeah. that'll, that'll take the price down a little bit.
1: Uh, I like the next order.
0: Yeah, gold. We we, always like to talk about gold. Gold. Well, this one was, uh, and when I first heard about the article, and this one's been in the news for about a week and a half, they originally, this is out of Russia, uh, there was a a Polymetal International PLC shipwreck. Uh, They were taking ore and the ship sunk, and it happened actually last year, a little over a year ago, and they were going out uh, just over a week ago to go and look for it, and they were delayed. And that was when I first saw the article, and now they've actually gone out and found the wreck. Uh, it was a, a dry cargo carrier freighter, Amruska, yeah, whose cargo was worth an estimated two hundred thirty thousand dollars. It went missing early last month in Okhotsk Sea, on the main routes from Russia to Asian markets. Now, this, this for a cargo vessel it seems kind of old, nineteen seventy-two. Nine-member crew on board. Uh, none of which uh, of the people who were on the crew uh, were ever found. The scuba divers invested the sunken object, uh, and they said they plan to continue work on penetrating inside the vessel. But 700 tons of ore, and it's only worth $230,000. So this is raw ore.
1: Did you look at the the significant item? Each ton of ore contains about 6 grams of gold. Yeah. That tells you why you do it commercially in huge monster machinery, because panning, remember I did a little panning last month? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And a ton of ore is going to take me a hell of a long time to pan.
0: Yeah, I've been doing, doing my fix on these gold shows, and they were talking about, like, they would pan and they would see flax. Yeah. And... You know, three flex might be 14 cents for a pan, but what they're trying to do was gauge the density of the material to know how many hundred cubic feet they had to move in a day to be able to be profitable. They had to get enough to cover the cost of fuel and, and water and labor. So, you know, here you look, 700 tons gives you 230,000, which, like, if we translate that to English, you're talking about less than 100 ounces of gold or... No, probably uh, about 120 ounces of gold would be 230000 Yeah. At, at current market prices. So the freighter was discovered at the sea depth of 25 meters, 82 feet, and they said it sunk after its cargo was displaced and rolling high su- seas. It uh, capsized the vessel. A ladder and lack of people on the bridge and open door to the room below the bridge deck and no lifeboats confirmed the high likelihood <laughs> that... Uh, they're trying to evacuate uh, the ship
1: I just, I, excuse me, I was just looking that up, you know, what is a gram
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you can buy foothill pleasure gold and things like that, but they said there are approximately 40 to 60 pieces per gram in small, there are small pockets of gold at 14 mesh gold, 40 to 60 pieces per gram, and I'm looking at the pieces and they're small and that price would be sixty-eight fifty. so if that's Per gram, yeah, sixty-eight bucks. Yep, that's
0: yeah. Seven, seventeen to eighteen hundred dollars an ounce lately.
1: Yeah, I still like to play with that.
0: Yeah, it's fun. I mean, I mean, we're we're going out and moving sand just to see old rotten wood that nobody really wants. You know, it'd be cool just to be able to get gold every once in a while.
1: Well, you guys may think that's all we've been out there, but I've been checking for gold too, guys. <laughs>
0: I honestly don't think there's much gold density in that uh, sand that we've got out there. When, yeah, when you,
1: but, but you, you can hope.
0: You can hope, certainly. Well, and I think there's gold. I mean, when you look at how uh, the Great Lakes formed and some of the geology, which we've talked about many times, there's there's gold in Michigan. Michigan is a is a gold state.
1: Ain't too much in Michigan. I have looked. <laughs>
0: no. Well, and you see these operations. I mean, these are gold mines and there's not high density. So it's all yeah. about how you get it and how you get it out. Yeah.
1: I just want to go to Alaska and find me a big gold vein that I pack into the side of the cliff. And I can see this gold vein that's real gold.
0: It I looks like it a, a big gold bar. And it's just like it just kind of follows around and you just kind of <laughs> peel out the strip. Yeah. I've, yeah. Even silver. I'd be happy with silver too.
1: Well, Silver is the poor man's gold.
0: Yeah, makes good jewelry. I take it.
1: Well, when our dollar goes to hell in the handbasket, we're going to wish you had silver. <laughs> yeah.
0: I'm going to be happy to have food and property.
1: <laughs> well, if you got the silver, you can probably get the food.
0: Yeah. I just I, that's why I keep thinking about the the minerals and valuables. When yeah. you're hungry, it doesn't matter how much gold you have. Unless I've got extra, you're not getting it. <laughs> Right. Well, i got
1: a friend of mine says you can have all the gold and the silver you want because he's got enough lead that he can get it from you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they call him a mega prepper. <laughs> yeah.
1: Silver runs right now at thirty-two forty-nine an ounce, and yeah. gold is 17
0: dollars yeah, I, I Yeah, so it's, it's all the way up there.
1: And a piece of a dollar bill is worth nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, if you light it, you can see for a couple of minutes.
1: That's about it. You can warm your hand over it for how long?
0: Yeah. Uh, This next one is the 10 best scuba diving websites worth diving into. And uh, what caught my eye is when you go through and you you look at them all, and some of them are to be expected. You know, a few of them are dive magazines, uh, some popular websites, Dan. uh, But if you, uh, Scuba Board, if you look at the very last one and a half, which he lists two websites on, you can see our uh, Scuba Obsessed Scuba feed made the list. So I just, just had to say something about that.
1: Well, congratulations for that.
0: Yeah, see, see some of our hard work uh, comes comes through and it it gets recognized. So again, we'll have that in the show notes if you want to see some of the other sites I had. And then that just highlights uh, we've seen that we got mentioned here on this feed, and then uh, a couple dive magazines have actually listed us in their magazine as a uh, must follow. So ah. just about every day we've gotten news feeds. Uh, four to five articles, unless I'm sick or working too hard. But it's amazing. There's always something, and and I'll it'll be stuff that we don't make into the the, the program, the show, uh, little bits, and it's whatever tickles my fancy at the moment. and It makes it in there.
1: Well, if there's anybody out there that really wants to sponsor the uh, show here yes. or have us come down there and check out the areas, uh, you just let Darren know, and uh, we'll be down there very very quickly.
0: Oh, certainly. So uh you just drop an email to the show at scubaobsessed.com, dot com and that will get our attention. Just you know, or or will they say write all the quests on a hundred dollar bill?
1: Fifty would work for me. Fifty <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess we could even go fifty. Yeah, and the chat room's coming alive. They're inviting us to go all over the place, which I'm I'm gonna have to take them up on. I just getting there is half the battle. Are we couch surfing or something? Count surfing?
1: Yeah. Couch surfing. Oh
0: couch that's surf. a
1: big deal right now, you know that, don't you? No. Oh. When traveling in Europe and stuff, you you connect on the internet, Facebook, otherwise, or some of the blogs, and basically their couch is available. You come over, you sleep on the couch. It's called couch surfing. Huh? And you, of course, need to reciprocate though.
0: I've, I've got I got plenty of couches. I've and I've done that. Uh, we we had divers uh, come over, and I, I I actually did more in couch surfing. I put them up in uh, a camper, thirty a foot RV. So I've got guest rooms and stuff. So yeah, we could. If if there was some network and I wasn't being trashed all the time, we could definitely work something out. Okay, then yeah, we get we get something going. So that does it for Scuba News. We have a few more articles. We have one which uh, I put in photo of the week, but it also had a video. And I, if you maybe it's a theme. You know, we had uh, hoses, dangly objects, and a bobbit worm.
1: It's awesome looking. If you you need to go take a look at the picture of that guy. It's iridescent. I mean, it's very interesting.
0: I thought he, he kind of looked cute. I thought he was a little cute-looking guy. He's kind of sitting there. Maybe something from, uh, you know, not Alice in Wonderland. Is it Alice in Wonderland? You know, Cheshire Cat and, and all that. That, that kind of look like that. Uh, he said the uh, Bobbit Worm has the capability to literally slice its prey in two. Snares prey between its two sharp mandibles, which snu- snap shut like scissors, uh, the nickname was uh, based on uh, Mrs. Bobbitt's uh, grievous injury she did in her husband, and it's just kind of stuck. They said the worm uh, will get down to uh, waters near the seafloor at depths of 30 to 130 feet. It's a long-living nocturnal worm. Uh, and then when you look at it, you can see uh, it uses its 5 and 10 cents prey, usually smaller worms and fish.
1: I wonder what size fish and stuff. They've got that picture you've got below the, mm-hmm. the nice one of him laying that out on the road. Yep, that's that's sort of scary looking man.
0: He's ten feet long in that photo.
1: I've seen those those earthworms from Australia that are very long, but this guy looks like a freaking snake. Yeah, <laughs> and
0: man, it says he's... it
1: can get a hold of. Uh, a Diver, yep, it can dish out nasty bites to humans,
0: yeah, uh six hundred and seventy three segments in that uh nearly ten foot long worm
1: and a pound in weight,
0: yeah, and then you look you see the one spot in the Cornwall aquarium, they had one, and it was attacking coral in their prized fish, that was only a four foot long one,, ah. so they didn't even know they had it in there. <laughs> where else do they
1: have these? I know that one was from Japan I
0: don't know if they say where they're. <coughs> Now there is a video below that I did watch. It's about a four-minute video, and uh, he uh, uh, chows a little bit. So it's almost like he buries his body. And there, the the thing is, why does it have to be ten feet long?
1: Well, but I was thinking some of the comments. So the warning is: not to go swimming, especially naked, at the bottom of the sea, one hundred and thirty thirty to one hundred and thirty feet down in the middle of the night. So yes, just don't do that.
0: Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah. So uh, you know, just just run around. Uh, Dye shops and, and bars, but stay out of the water.
1: That is still an interesting picture. And anything you want to look at the horror movies and stuff, just look at Mother Nature.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this one actually, uh, Nick, uh, one of the bloggers out there, is the one who originally posted it. So we'll give him a shout-out for, for putting us onto this one.
1: Now, if he had some really experience with it, you know, it would be a neat interview. You know, yeah. what part of your appendage did it bite? To <laughs> so if anybody out there has seen one of these, been attacked by one? Yeah. No, I'd like to hear about that.
0: That would that would certainly be newsworthy. You know, man At, bites dog or dog bites man. I'd, I think anybody gets bit by one of these. I, I want to hear about it. Yes. And then we have some potential cool scuba gear. The first one really isn't underwater, but it did take use of some scuba equipment. A Yamaha frame bike using a scuba tank as a power source. The Australian designer uh, made a no-emissions motorcycle running on air it called the O2 Pursuit. Uh, he said it was capable of running 60 miles in a single ta- tank with top speed of 87 miles per hour. Whoa. And I, and I was thinking if they had that a little bit more street legal, I'd certainly be interested in doing that. You know, they they were complaining about, well, where are you going to get it refilled? Hey, dive shop. <laughs> And just think about all the different things you could do. You could do like a scooter, you know, if you're on the sand dunes or something. I mean, how all the different things you know, instead of. Well,
1: I was thinking how you could convert that into something to use underwater that would make either flipping fins. Or turning the screw because if you can turn a wheel, oh, yeah. you can turn an axle. You got drive mechanism for a
0: DPV. Well, that's but, another question. <laughs> Maybe that's what we need to do, Mac. We need to come up and make a DPV that runs on compressed air. I mean, that makes a lot more sense than trying to put a battery in a housing and making it waterproof. How about having something that you can attach onto the back of your tank and open a valve with a couple... Adjustments.
1: I've seen the items that you do mount on your tank, but they were not run by air. No, it seemed like you could easily run it by air. Well, we're just giving, you know, have you ever yeah. seen that book, 100 items that if you make, will make you a million dollars minimum?
0: No, I haven't seen that book. But I we're giving all the good stuff, ideas away.
1: It's just like this. It's like if you can figure out, like when the airplanes come in for landing and they put the tires down. Uh-huh. If you can figure a way to get those tires to rotate at the same speed as their landing speed, it reduces the amount of rubber that runs off when they hit and land that mm-hmm. so you would be saving millions of dollars collectively yep. if you patented that.
0: Yeah. Didn't they have on the old biplanes, didn't they have like fins that would get the wheels turning? Yep. Yeah. So you just, something like that.
1: But I mean, that, that's the kind of idea. You're just putting some good ideas out there. Somebody with a fertile brain is going to, Graph that and send you the diagram of what they just did using the scuba tank.
0: Yeah, well, just remember, we got it, we, we documented it here, so we have the prior art.
1: <laughs> yeah. I want to see the wing that you got the next one.
0: The wing, yeah. Now this one I, I found a little late, so I didn't get a chance to really review it, but it looked interesting. So here, let's give a shot to the chat room so they can get a peek of it, and then we'll take a look as well. So this is a wing that lets you fly underwater. And I didn't think it was going to be anything at first, uh, but it's called the subwing. And and now that I'm looking at it, it does sound familiar, like we talked about it
2: before. Uh,
0: the invention is called the subwing system. Divers are able to tow behind a moving boat and actually glide beneath the water. So I think we have talked about it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, tow
1: sub or tow, yeah. So it's, it's fun to do, and if you've never done it, it is nice. But you definitely want to have visibility. And you don't want to have weeds or kelp bed.
0: Yeah, because in the photo, the video, they're showing them going around coral. I mean, you would not want to have your knuckles ground along the top of that.
1: Well, yeah, you, you want to avoid running into the, the sharp razor edge.
0: Yeah, but still a cool idea. We need more good visibility days like that. And then we have a few videos. Uh, the first one, and I don't know if I'll edit this in the show so you'll hear it or not, but uh, Dima just put out a press release about an hour before the show, of uh, diving awareness with manatees, a PSA by Dima uh, was narrated by Jimmy Buffett. It's about a thirty-second spot, so I may insert that in the show if I get a chance. Uh, I won't hold my breath, but maybe in a future show we'll do it. We'll do like Rich has the ads. We can do some PSAs.
1: Uh, I, I think you really did a good job here when you talk about the pig underwater. <clears throat> did you did you watch that one?
0: I did watch the pig underwater, and he is uh, kind of. It doesn't take long, does it? No, it doesn't. I mean, in, in the Great Lakes, it seems like we have bodies that have gone for a decade and still fairly good condition. And this pig, he doesn't make it long. And I, and I kept looking at the date. So it's uh the, the video is about a minute and a half, just a little over. And they keep putting up a time every so many seconds of what day they're on the time lapse. And you would bet it would be three to four times longer than the times they're putting up. Yeah. And that shark looks a little ticked off in the beginning that it's covered up, doesn't he?
1: (laughs) And it didn't get any.
0: Yeah. But then also...
1: The key word is... (laughs) Did you see their their description about the video? It's disturbingly
0: exciting. It is. But look at the... They've got rebar, which protects (laughs) other things from getting to it. Look at the buildup on the rebar. Yeah. So there are... Oh, yeah. uh, I think they call it lice, sea lice, that... uh, kind of almost like snow build up on that. And it takes that pig down to nothing. Piranha have nothing on these little guys.
1: Yeah. Well, did you read his reading? The This guy is almost having too much fun with this. His comment was, they enter the orifices and droves to feast on the animal from the inside out and congregate on the cage bars to prevent other antipods like shrimp from getting a bite. <laughs> By the end of the fourth day, the sea life had left and the pigs were reduced to bones.
0: The chat room wants to know what this temperature guy was the, Yeah, they want to know what temperature the water was, and they don't say, they don't say where he filmed it. Uh, he is uh, a researcher out of uh, uni- the Simon Fraser University in Canada. So I don't know if we can assume he was uh, I am guessing by the look of that it's got to be salt water.
1: Well, Canada, experiment led by the scientist from the Simon Fraser University in Canada. Yeah. am so Su, uh, like it's an assumption, of course. Canadian waters?
0: Now, let's take a look and see where we'll consult the uh, great computer in the sky. And Simon Fraser University is a Canadian university that is engaging the world. Okay, marketing information. I don't care how engaging you are. I want to know where you are. And Vancouver, Burnaby, and Surrey. Yeah,
1: British Columbia, Canada. Yeah, it doesn't say if they did it in what body of water.
0: Yeah, I mean, he could have, I mean, if I was somebody in Canada, a researcher, I would write my grant to where it got me to someplace really warm. <laughs> <laughs> we can only, we got to do this at a, a neutral base in, you know, Bahamas or Guyana or.
1: Yeah, the the Aleutian Islands is not my idea of a really, really nice place that yeah. I can be comfortable in.
0: Yeah. Of course, any day diving's better than a day in a laboratory, so. Okay, let's see. Did I have anything else or was that? I am Jimmy
1: Buffett. He was Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> you, you found Jimmy Buffett.
1: Yeah, the PSA by Dima. Uh-huh. The next one, diving with mantis.
0: Yeah, and then um, I don't know if you, since you're not not seeing the chat room, we had Mark, uh, who is in the chat room, posted a video, and we'll also add that to the show notes. I might make that in the video site, but uh, I think he's just rubbing it in. He said this is. Uh, he's titled the video "One Day in Monterey," and. Uh, playing around with his little DPV and nah. GoPro 2 and playing with, uh, what was that, looks like uh, some uh, sea lions there. Yeah, and that one was just from this last weekend. So since we couldn't get a dive, at least somebody did. So excellent video. Okay, well, that does it for the news, the video, the photos. And I actually I don't think anybody got any diving in. Uh, I don't. You didn't get any diving in, did you?
1: No, I'm still out.
0: Yeah, and I I didn't either. I did get my uh, regulator back from service, so I'm one. Well, you're step, ready though. Yep, I'm one step closer now. Now I'm I'm a fin short, <laughs> so uh, hopefully I'll I'll get something here pretty soon. Yeah, it's another case of do I hold out for what I want or do I get something that at least gets me back in the water. <laughs> So yeah, so, on that, and then uh, we've got uh, dive planned for the turkey dive. So some people are interested. Uh, don't know if we're going to have anybody come up, but they want uh, to be kept informed, so we'll let them know. And then I haven't I'll heard, heard of anybody back. else getting any diving in. What's that?
1: I'll be here for you, know it.
0: And oh, I sent you
1: up a little item called uh, submarineboat.com, uh-huh. and it types of privately owned sub, and it starts out with a sled, like we're talking. But some of these are freaking nice, let me tell you. So you might want to go there and eyeball some of that.
0: Yeah, submarine boat. Oh, yeah, He, uh, we followed him for a while. He actually sold that. Oh, that
1: one at the top? Yes.
0: Yeah, he sold that. All
1: the way down, you'll see the wet, the semi-drys,
0: mm-hmm.
1: all the way down to the one atmosphere is the ridge, the 250s and 350s. There are some neat things out there.
0: They're neat, but you guys are making me nervous with these. Now, the concrete one I like. Well,
1: the one that that little Japanese, not Japanese, I can't remember what it was now, uh, in China, he built one for $5,000. And it's awesome what he did, but I sure have me a good regulator and bailout with me. Yeah. I mean, that one guy who, who shows you how to build one, he made it out of wood called the bottom crawler. Mm-hmm. That's freaking amazing.
0: Oh, yeah, that's, a, that's the same guy. That's uh, uh, the, well,
1: the. It was in 1894.
0: No, but they they did a recreation of it. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. If you look oh, at the I top,
1: that. yeah, you talked about that once.
0: Yeah, see, the, so the guy who does the site uh, submarineboat dot com, yeah. uh, he he built that submarine up at the top, and uh, he he stopped building that and he sold it uh, last winter, I believe, and then the wooden submarine is one that he made about two or three years ago, and uh, they did it, and yeah, it was based on the Argonaut Junior.
1: And Bionic Dolphin is neat too, though. Followed by air-breathing ninja.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's awesome. You saw that jump out of the lake, freak you out big time.
0: Yeah, and I like the submarine yacht. I mean, that, that looks like something that I would be interested in building. I'd love to have something like that in the Great Lakes. You just think of <laughs> things you could do. I'd I'd love to have a boat you could sink and then raise back up again. Yeah. A mere $8 million. Less than a, 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 a monument. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, oh, uh, Jim in the chat room is saying... Jim Schultz, he says, ask Mac if he thinks the glass-bottom boat would make a good tow behind if we removed the tubes and added some uh, steering fluid.
1: I think we'd have a lot of drag on that one. <laughs> you have to have a nice, you know, tow system for it and a really nice engine.
0: So what's he talking about there? Did you, you found a glass-bottom boat or?
1: Well, we've used his, uh he's got a Zodiac, or I'm not sure it's a Zodiac, but it's the front. Quarter panel of it is uh, plexiglass. Oh, okay. We've actually taken that up north. So when we're out there scanning for stuff, sometimes that visibility is 30 feet up there. You can spot it really easy. Mm. And down there in the shallows over in Duncan Bay, that would really be, you've got to put your head there and put a blanket over it to keep the black lighting out. Uh Let me tell you, you can really see a lot down, uh, a lot that way.
0: Well, now with some of these lights, I mean, you could have lights on a pole and you could.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Well, I think we've got some potential with some of these uh, ROVs as well. You know, stuff's getting less expensive and smaller, so you don't have to make a big, complicated Alvin type of ROV. You can make something, you know, smaller than a golf ball. Actually, your umbilical is probably your your limiting factor at this point. You have to have something big enough to handle a heavy umbilical board dragging behind it. Yeah. So very cool. Some more stuff for the, for the show notes. So let's see, I think that puts us to uh, that time of the show again, doesn't it?
1: One little quick item. Yep. Uh, I saw Jim had some information from the Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve area, uh-huh. and it looks like uh, they don't need a permit to do their work on that on the shipwreck, surveying the site, and you only need a permit if you're disturbing the artifacts. Moving sand, which is still on the decks and stuff, getting down is not disturbing the ad- artifacts since they're covered up. So it's one of those items. If you move sand, are you disturbing artifacts?
0: Yeah. I, I yeah, I mean, as, as long as we've done due diligence and some effort to get it, uh, and you've got some methodology behind it, because I think what they're going to prove is say, you know, how do you know that by moving sand you're not moving artifacts?
1: Because then your outflow at the back end, if you found debris that was like, oh, wow, where did that come from? Then you'd know it. Yeah. But you're not going to suck up a dead eye and wrenches, not for the small diameter they're using. So that yeah. sounds like a good good thing to know now. So yeah. they are working towards getting something organized for this coming year. So if people want to participate, keep track of what's going on at the uh, in order to preserve yeah. volunteer, join the committee or join the uh, preserve itself, become a member. Start helping do some of this.
0: Yeah, certainly. Become a member of the preserve. Also, get with your local dive center. Tell them that you want the Paddy underwater archaeology certification, and you've got uh, a place to get your time on.
1: Yeah. Okay, now it's time for the wonderful wonderful event.
0: They're saying if Darren starts discussing roosters, I am leaving. (laughs) I guess by saying roosters, I just discussed them. Uh, Yeah, and Jim said thanks for the plug. Uh, dive d i v e s w m u p dot com. Dive Southwest Michigan Underwater Preserve. Dive s w m u p dot com is the website. Also, if you're a uh, diver in Michigan and you have any of, any photos or videos of the wrecks in the underwater preserve, I know the preserve is looking for those to to get on the website and also on some some literature. So do the same. And uh, we love uh, activity on the Facebook page. So you go to scubaobsessed.com forward slash scubaobsessed. No, that's not it. It's facebook.com forward slash scubaobsessed. That's our Facebook page. You can follow us at scubaobsessed on Twitter. And we link frequently to our scuba feed. And then uh, we also love those five star reviews on iTunes and Talkshu. So go ahead and drop a five star review. Make sure you're subscribed. I notice that the numbers will fluctuate. So uh, even if you're behind in some articles, keep those uh, feeds active and uh, listen to the program. Also, in this time of year, if you've got a diver, you know somebody who you dove with all summer and now they're not getting as many dives in, get them hooked on the show. That'll keep uh, interest up and. You know, we're always looking for more divers, expand the show and you've got our show, and if you just can't get enough of our show, then you can also listen to Divers Sync, uh, Rich Senewick Show. And that normally records on Tuesday, even though you never know which day of the week it's gonna be. And he's coming up on his hundredth episode now. So uh he's not all that far behind us. He keeps thinking he's gonna catch up, but you know, kind it's kinda like me catching up to you with diving, you know, it's hard to catch up with uh with somebody who's diving twice as much as you are. And uh, I think I've delayed about as much as I can. It's time for that joke. And and, and not all things improve with age, I would like to say.
1: You're, you're an exception. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. I tell my wife that. <laughs> so here we go. A scuba diver drove his car into a ditch in a desolated area. Luckily, a local farmer came to help with a big, strong horse named Buddy. He hitched Buddy the car and yelled, pull, Nelly, pull. Buddy didn't move. Then the farmer hollered, pull, Buster, pull, but he didn't respond. Once more, the farmer called, pull, Coco, pull, nothing. Then the farmer nonchalantly said, pull, Buddy, pull. The horse easily dragged the car out of the ditch. The motorist was most appreciative and very curious. He asked the farmer why he called his horse by the wrong name three times. Well, Buddy is blind, and if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't even try.
1: Uh, that that's pretty decent.
0: <sighs> so until next week, go out there and get wet
1: and stay safe.
2: has been completed. Now, that wasn't
1: even a groomer, you know. <laughs> that was actually good.
0: Uh, they've been aging there for a while. I, 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 some of those I read, and they just don't seem that good. But that one that one kind of snuck out. Now, that was oh, decent. Thanks, everybody in the chat room. We had Mark He's saying thanks for the obsessed people, and we certainly appreciate all our fans. Uh, thanks for Jim coming back in the chat room. We have Dave, Shipwreck Mike, Lynch Diver... We even had uh, guest eight, so a few people showed up in the chat room. (laughs) No jokes harmed in the making of tonight's episode.